Hey, good morning, everybody. How you doing this morning? Everybody doing good? That was better. Hey, look, it's good to see you guys. Look at how many of you guys are here. This is awesome. This is like the most packed this place has been since hashtag COVID, right? Um, <laughs> I want to welcome everybody here today and watching online. We're going to be jumping into this thing kind of early today. Um, this is the third message in our series on Galatians. Have y'all enjoyed this series? Just kind of be it. No, nobody answered you. <laughs> no. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, I, I've been really enjoying this, and I'm excited about today because this this sermon really spoke to me and really inspired me. And so, like, I'm really excited to bring this one. Not that I, I, I'm not ever excited to preach, but I really feel like there's there's a special anointing on this message. Amen. And so we're going to be just jumping into this third message in, in 2020 about Galatians. And check this out. We're going to go ahead and extend this to next week and, and go ahead and see if we can round this thing out. Because there's, there's a lot more stuff in Galatians that we can get to that we're not going to get to, but I'm going to try to, try to, you know, leave a nice little bookend uh, next week. So make sure you're here. Make sure that if you haven't checked out the other sermons, make sure you, you get those because you don't necessarily have to listen to them to get this one, but it does lay a, a really good foundation. So um, for those of y'all that haven't been here or that have, you know that, that I, I've kind of talked about that we're preaching this. Kind of, so Pastor Josh gave us an update on our 12 stone vision and, and kind of where we are, what we're looking at as a church, what we need to do now because you know things are, are so different and, and kind of the direction that we're going in. And then he went out of town. And so what he's doing now is he spent time with his family and resting and stuff like that. But he's also praying for what God would have us do to continue to move towards that goal. And I'm excited. But one of the things that, that I believe that will help us get to that that goal is a, a renewed focus on the Great Commission, right? And we find that in Matthew 28, Jesus tells all of his people to go to all people, right? And to make them disciples. And, and, and I've spoke about how the first step to making disciples is actually getting up and being able to share the gospel and, and, and to be able to talk words about the, the work and, and action of Jesus Christ in your life because your story, people can argue with the Bible, but they can't argue with your story. Amen. So this is where the book of Galatians kind of helps us is it just kind of breaks down and there's some things going on in the church, right, right, you know, in Galatia and, and stuff like that. And then Paul references some other things that's been going on. So that's kind of what we're going to look at today. Um, all about the gospel overall, just kind of outlining the gospel. Um, when God gave us the vision that he gave us, I just want to tell you, first of all, we had no idea what was going to happen right? God, God gave our pastor the vision and started speaking to our leadership and, and stuff like that. And, and we, we, you know, we brought it out to the church and stuff like that. And then COVID happened, right? And, and so we have this big goal and this big vision that we're getting ready to just gear up and run after. And then all of a sudden a global pandemic, you know, we're all shut down. We're all in like the shelter of place. We did not know how that was going to play out. But let me tell you this morning, God did. Yeah. 
And we could take comfort in that because if God called us to do something, then he'll equip us to do it. And, and, and so I wanna tell you this morning that I believe that, that God is showing us what we need to do now is focus on the gospel and focus on bringing people in this world hope and peace that comes along with the gospel of Jesus Christ, amen? Um, because our, our, our world right now is scared it's confused, it's torn. And, and listen, I know that sometimes it, it feels like they're, they're not trying to look at the church, but they are. They're looking at the church because for, for, you know, especially in America, most of the time the church is known, you know, Jesus Christ is known in America. And, and so they're looking at the church to see how we're responding and what our stance is. And, and really, it's just important to get back to the gospel and to, to show them the hope and the love that comes with knowing Jesus. So we're going to continue to just unpack this today and dive a little bit deeper. If you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to Galatians 2. We're going to start in verse 11 this morning. If you do not have a Bible, if you're watching online or you're here this morning, you don't have a Bible, that's okay. It's going to be on the screen. It's going to be somewhere around this area if you're watching online. Um, but listen, I want to encourage you, if you do not have a Bible, uh, download the YouVersion app. You can get it on your phone. It's free. It's amazing. It has different translations. It has different Bible reading plans. And if you bring up the events, you can follow along with our notes this morning on the YouVersion app. So check that out. But it will be up on the screen. It says, when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face for what he did was very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with Gentile believers who were not circumcised. But afterwards, when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. And as a result, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy. Even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. Let's pray this morning. Father, I thank you. I believe that that you've got a special word for us today, Lord, and I pray that it just gets in our heart and, and that we just leave here today changed and challenged to, to be closer to you and to be more proactive at getting your word and your work out in the world. In your holy name we pray, amen. So I'm amazed at how good my kids get along, right? I, I'm amazed at their love for each other and how, how well they they serve each other, they like being around each other, they like playing with each other. But on the other hand, I'm also amazed at how quickly things can go downhill, okay? So they argue and they fight and, and stuff. And uh, Lila, I almost said Rachel. That would have been weird, wouldn't it? She's sitting back there looking at me. I said Lila. Okay, so Lila's got like this, this fierceness about her, right? This, this attitude. And to be so small, she's just got this big presence and this big attitude. So this is a true fight that happened between my kids the other day. They're sitting on the couch. Now, keep in mind, while you're hearing this story, this is right before bed. So both of them are kind of tired. Both of them are grumpy. Judah had gotten in trouble and he lost the Nintendo, and uh, before, before anybody judges me about giving my four-year-old the Nintendo, I'm just going to tell you, being stuck at home, 
<laughs> has been taxing. And so that joker's become like their nanny. It's even sitting on the front row of church this morning, right? Supporting me right there, just, just as mental support showing me I'm still here, right? Because sometimes you gotta give those kids something to do. Amen. Listen, hold on. Just, y'all just give me a minute. Mm. Sometimes you just gotta give those kids something. So I took it away from him. He got in trouble and he's screaming for like 10, 15 minutes just over and over again. I want to play the Nintendo. I want to play the Nintendo. I want to do it. And so both Rachel and I have kind of tuned him out. Okay, I'm doing dishes because I'm an awesome husband and uh, I clean in the house after an amazing meal that my beautiful wife cooked. And, and so we're sitting there doing that. Rachel's tuned him out. Lila's sitting there and she's watching Baby Shark and I see it. She goes... And then she walks over, she gets up on the couch, she climbs, and, and he's already mad, he's trying to push her, she climbs over him, and she grabs his face, and she goes, no, brother, just like that, right? So it's so loud, and now I'm watching this unfold, and of course, I'm laughing, just like you guys are, my little cute, cute daughters doing this. And so here's what happened, because as you know, he's in a bad mood, he's already upset. He didn't just be like, you know what, you're right. You know what I mean? So, so here's what happened. Uh, Judah looked at her and he goes, if you ever do that again, I'll kill you in the face. And I'm like, her, I'm like hers was better. Not gonna lie, hers was better. You know, maybe if you, would, if you toss off the face part, I mean, maybe it's a little bit more serious, you know? But, but uh, if you take off the face part, I think it's a, a little bit better. And so I'm telling him, I'm like, next time you threaten to kill somebody, I don't, you don't have to kill him in the face. You know, just, just, so anyway, how many of y'all know that that wasn't the end either? So Lila gets off of Judah. She's standing on the couch now and she goes, just like that. Now, keep in mind, she's two. Like, you know, this is stuff you, you could picture an older kid doing, but she rolls her eyes and kind of, and then she looks at him and she just jumps on him like a spider monkey, right? I mean, she jumps on him so quick and so fierce, right? And, and Judah didn't even know what to do, you know? And, and honestly, I think that it just all kind of got better from there because Judah was like, you're probably a little crazy. You know, I'm, I'm probably gonna leave you alone. I, th I think you might actually kill me in the face. And, and so now keep in mind, all of this is over having the Nintendo taken away a little bit before bedtime, you know? Um, he's just grumpy. This is not a big deal, right? And even with Lila, like, we all know he's tired. We all know he's just kind of fussing. He'll, he'll, he'll wear out eventually, which, by the way, can I just tell you, almost like a dog barking, they don't. They don't wear out eventually. Eventually, they just fall asleep, okay? So that's what we were trying to, just get him upstairs, get him to stop moving, he'll fall asleep. So all this is over something small, right? But I would argue that a lot of fights and a lot of confrontations are like that, right? A lot of them are senseless. A lot of them are pointless. But, but listen, hear me, fighting for the gospel is different. Fighting for the truth of God's word is different, okay? As followers of Christ, we have a responsibility to take up and, and to be able to fight for that gospel that is the good news that Christ in his love has saved some lost sinners, right? 
Like we were, we were dead in our sins, stuck in our sin, and then Jesus was willing to come and save us, right? We couldn't save ourselves. He had to do it. And so God in his great love and mercy sent Jesus King of heaven and earth. Listen to this. I, listen, listen to this just for a minute. Like break this down. King of the earth came. He put on flesh. He lived here among us, lived a life that we couldn't live, died the death that we deserved, was raised again, defeating death and the grave. God raised him to show that he accepted that sacrifice on our behalf. And one day we will be with him seated in heaven for all eternity, right? Right? That's nice. And by the way, I just did that in just a couple of seconds. Y'all go ahead and give God praise. Yeah. I just did that in like 10 seconds, which means that you could share the gospel. Amen. You can, you can open up and, and, and share the gospel, but here's the deal. We have a responsibility to, to fight for that news and to fight for the purity of that news because, listen, even though there's a lot to think about right there, if you think about the fact there, there's just not a lot to figure it out. It's like, hey, I loved you enough to where I know that you needed help and I sent help. And, and, and uh, we have a responsibility to protect that, but we also have a responsibility to fight against anything that would compromise that, right? And, and, and so if anything alters that news or compromises that news, now listen to me, that doesn't mean that we throw fists or jump on people like a spider monkey or threaten to kill them in the face, right? That we don't get on social media and blast them. <laughs> Come on, it's quiet, hold on. Social media and blast them. All right, so we don't do that. Instead, what that means is when the gospel is under attack, we stand up and we speak and we fight for the truth to keep people from being led astray. Amen? Um, and, and, and that's kind of what we see in our passage here today. Um, you, you see Paul, and he's looking at all this unfold, and, and he sees that Peter's like, that was weird, right? You know, all of a sudden these Jewish Christians come in and now he's acting all weird. And I'm gonna kind of give you the, the overview, like the, the sky looking down view of, of what this text means today. And then we're gonna kind of unpack it. So if you're taking notes, I'd encourage you to write this down, that the gospel is always worth fighting for. So fight when necessary. The gospel is always worth fighting for, so fight when necessary, okay? I want to unpack this a bit because in just a few verses, Paul is telling us about a confrontation that he got into with Peter. Now, if you're unclear, this is, this is Peter, the same Peter that walked on water, the same Peter that acknowledged Jesus as the Son of God before the other disciples did, the same Peter who in Acts chapter 2 was kind of like the rock that the church was built on, right? That he, when he stood up and he spoke with the power of the Holy Spirit, thousands of people were saved, right? And, 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 I, and that was just one day. Now, let's think about the vision that God's given us and, and know that if we, if we go at it with the, with the fire and the, the presence of the Holy Spirit, imagine what we could do as a church, right? They were, they were all saved and baptized, and, and Peter had started eating with, with non-Jewish people, and that's a big deal because uh, 
in, in this kind of culture and in this history, and if you go back and read the Old Testament scriptures, Peter was a Jewish man. And so especially if you go back and read the book of Leviticus, what you see is God giving all these laws and ceremonial laws, especially to keep them from being uh, unclean in his presence. Because here's the deal, people that were unclean were separated from God's presence, right? And, and, and so only a clean person can enter the presence of God. So God gave them all these, uh, all these laws and all these rituals and all this stuff to do. And included in that was these certain dietary restrictions that, that they had. They couldn't eat certain things. And so basically God's saying, hey, look, you don't need to eat these animals. They're unclean. If you eat them, you're gonna be unclean and you're gonna be consequently cut off from my presence. And so non-Jewish people didn't have to adhere to that, right? Non-Jewish people were able to eat whatever they wanted. So as a result of that, what would happen is if Jewish people saw non-Jewish people eating, they wouldn't eat with each other because it would make them unclean by being around them eating. So that's a big deal. You got to understand like this isn't just like, hey, I'm trying to avoid this person in the lunchroom at school. Like this is a whole different, different ball game. And, and, and so listen, all that changed after Jesus. All that changed, all those restrictions. All, and, and listen, I'm just gonna go ahead and amen, amen right there on my behalf because I really love barbecue. I mean, I love barbecue. I love food. I love it. I love it. It is my love language. If you just wanna show me you love me, get me some food. So especially some barbecue, you really can't go wrong. Just some barbecue, I'll eat it. I know that I'm loved. Um, oh, man, I'm, I'm gonna get lost. Okay, let me get back to where I was. So um, we are no longer under that. And so it's not, Jesus says in Mark 7 that it's not what's going in that defiles you, it's what comes out right? It's the, it's the evil thoughts, the sexual immorality, murder, right? Hashtag murder. I, I felt like I had to put that in just in case you're struggling with that today. You know, you never know when someone's a murderer. Amen? Never know. So adultery, covetousness, pride, slander, envy, gossip, right? It, it's all this stuff that, and the list goes on and and the only way that people can be cleansed from that now is through faith in Jesus. And that's what the gospel tells us. And that's important because you need to, to understand that you can't do anything to clean yourself up. You can't do anything to make yourself presentable before God. And see, that's what these people were doing by following these laws is they were trying to keep themselves presentable so that they could be in the presence of God. But only through faith in Jesus can you be fully cleansed. And that's good news for us today because there's no longer a need for us to make ourselves presentable, for us to make ourselves worthy. We could just enter into the presence of God and let him do the work in us. And, and, and surrender to him and give it all over to him. Amen. Nobody likes that word surrender. But man, it's just an amazing thing to surrender your life to Jesus and just see the way he radically impacts you, right? But just so you know, Peter missed the significance of that declaration in Mark 7. And, and so in Acts chapter 10, God has to tell Peter again, 
okay? So Peter has this vision, and during that vision, it's kind of a long, weird vision, so we're not going to really get into it, but um, just know that during that vision, God told Peter that no person is unclean and no food is unclean. That's the idea that he's trying to get here, and, and uh, so Peter has this vision. He's wrestling with what it means and, and kind of what, what that means for the gospel and what that means for, for him, and then he gets a knock on his door, and these guys are like, hey, we have this friend, this non-Jewish gentleman, right? I'm, I'm sure they didn't say that because how awkward would it be? Hey, just want you to know, I have a friend that really needs to hear the gospel, but she, he's, he's a different, he's, he's different, right? Could you imagine if, if I, better, I better steer away from there. I'm going I'm I'm to chase a rabbit down. We'll, we won't even get through there. Anyway, do over. All right, so, so we get a knock on the door, and they say, we have a friend, Cornelius, who had a dream about you and wants you to come to his house. So Peter goes, and uh, he, he, they sit down. They start to have a conversation about Jesus. He shares the gospel with them. Cornelius and all of his household are saved, baptized, and they receive the Holy Spirit. And listen to this. Peter then puts his faith into action and has dinner with them. And so he's saying that I know that this will not impact me because it is not what I put into my body that defiles me. So I'm gonna eat with these people. I'm gonna sit down and, and he sits down and has a meal with these Gentile new believers. So with that in mind, I want us to go back to Galatians 2 and look at the events that unfolded. Peter's in the city of Antioch, right? He sits down, he's eating with these non-Jewish believers and uh, why? Because he knows the gospel, right? He, he knows that he's okay to be doing this. They're fellowshipping. And then uh, these guys come in and he just gets away. Like, here's what I picture when I, and raise your hand if you've seen this. Um, if somebody wants to find this on Facebook and put it online or whatever, that would be cool. But I'm a huge Batman fan. I love comic books. I love Batman versus Superman. I know a lot of people hate it and, and hate on it, but I really love that movie, okay? And so um, one of the memes that I saw, if you, listen, this is an older movie, spoiler warning. Um, if you haven't seen it, you're not gonna see it. Can we just be honest, right? Okay, so... Um, there, but there's this meme, and it has Batman, and at the end of the movie, they're fighting this, this creature named Doomsday, just this powerhouse creature, you know, and Batman, of course, you know, has no superpowers. He's just really awesome. And so in this meme, it has Batman, and he's like standing in front of this hedge, and then he sees uh, Superman and Wonder Woman go after Doomsday, and then he just kind of like backs into the hedge, right? And then it says... Uh, it, it's like Batman during the doomsday fight. And I saw that and I thought about it when I was doing this because this is what Peter is doing. Now he's trying to hide. He, he, he's eating with Gentile believers. He knows the gospel. He knows that being accepted by God has nothing to do with what you eat or, or the religious practices that, that, that have to do with their law and stuff like that. So Peter is enjoying his gospel freedom. I mean, he's killing it, right? 
And then certain men from the apostle James come and they are Jewish believers. Now, James, this is the apostle James here. He was a leader in, in the church in Jerusalem. He was, he was uh, one of the, the main guys. He was, he was one of the apostles. And, and so these men that came from James would have came from Jerusalem, which means more than likely they were, they were Jewish believers. We get from context that they definitely believed that in order to be saved, that you had to be circumcised. And, and so I wanna just tell you that right now, they come in, Peter's eating with these guys because he knows the gospel. Peter's time to shine is right now. Peter's time to change this whole thing right now. He, he can stand up and he can say, hey, they don't have to be circumcised. And through Jesus Christ, we've been set free to not have to follow those laws anymore because he fulfilled those laws right? But instead, Peter folded. He folded. And, and, and in the passage, Paul actually says, listen to this, this is really important, that his behavior was that of a hypocrite. He calls it hypocrisy. Hey, I got to ask. I got to ask because I'm super ADD. Is my fly down? Just asking. I'm seeing like a bunch of like random laughs and it makes me self. Is my belly button showing? Okay, all right, just wanted to make sure. Um, <laughs> so in the ancient world, and if you're taking notes, you might want to write this down, but in the ancient world that, that we're talking about, that word hypocrite and that, that term hypocrisy was meant to, to tell you about someone who was playing a part. This would be like almost like an actor, and the connotation is someone that puts on a mask and plays a part. And listen, I heard one, I was doing some research and listening to stuff, and I heard one preacher say that this is kind of the equivalent of like, you go out in public and you take your wedding ring off, you know? And so that, that's weird. So that's kind of the idea that you're getting here. This isn't just like he's doing something stupid. He is being a hypocrite. And Paul's saying that, hey, you're putting on a mask and you're playing a part in a performance. Paul's helping us to see that in this moment, Peter was a guy who believed the gospel, was saved, did all these amazing things already for the gospel of Jesus. And now he's, he's living in a way that contradicted that. And Paul tells us why he did it, because he feared the circumcision party. Man, for those of y'all who follow politics, that's a good one. You know, the, the circumcision party, the circumcision part. Could you imagine the, the road signs? You know? Anyway. Um, so, so it was this party, by the way, that led Paul to write the book of Galatians in the first place. So now you have a very, very big contrast. You have Peter with this same people, he's able to stand up and just nip this right in the bud. But instead, what he does is he, he confirms it by putting on the mask of hypocrisy and moving away from these people. And so now Paul's saying, I'm writing you a letter to fix all this stuff. And, and so Paul writes the book of, the, of Galatians to defend the gospel against these false teachers, right? These guys coming in and, and they're coming in to 
churches that Paul planted during a missionary journey, these non-Jewish churches. That's really important because these are non-Jewish believers, okay? So uh, they're coming in, they're saying, if you really wanna be accepted, you have to be circumcised. We, we went really into depth the first week, right? Graphics and charts. Um, and, and so you could just picture Peter here. He's at the dinner table and he's chowing down on some food, you know, and then he's starting to pull away and he's starting to, to kind of get his mask on. As soon as he sees these people, his mouth is closed. He's not talking. And I, listen, if you know Peter, that's also not like Peter. Peter likes to talk and he likes to say what's in his mind, right? He's doing nothing to defend the gospel. And it's because he's afraid. He's serving people. We talked about this. He's serving people's opinions over God. And before we get down too hard on poor Peter, I want us to have an honest moment with ourselves. And, and honestly, I'll put my hand up first. Like, if we were being really honest, how many of us have had times in our life where we've been guilty of this very thing, right? Where we know the gospel truth, but instead, as followers of Jesus Christ, there's, there's been moments and maybe there's still moments for you where you put on a mask and you, you, you start to play the part and you start to pretend to be someone you're not, right? You come to church and you, you put on, I like to call it church clothes, right? You put on, you put on this mask and, and let people see you a, a certain way when you're around a certain group of people. You let them see that you're praising God and, and praying and stuff like that. But then when, when other people are around, you're a different person, right? And, and you think that no one is watching. And honestly, I think that comes down a lot of the times to being scared and to, to that boldness is not where it, where it should be. And we're seeing this with Peter. He's scared of what people might say. He's scared of pe what people may think right? He's shrinking back. And, and I think that that's, that's us a lot of the times, that, that we're scared of what people think or we're living for other people's opinions and we get lost on, on, on living for God's opinion. And uh, you're scared of how certain people may treat you, how certain people or maybe even losing people. Can I just be honest? I'm going to share something. And, and for us that are like younger teenagers and stuff especially, this is a big deal because I can tell you this is super hard. Um, I lived on my own when I was 16 years old. Um, I partied like crazy. Imagine living on your own at 16. Wasn't a great Christian at the time. Um, and so I partied. I did all this stuff. And uh, I remember that when I got saved... I had some friends that I just knew they weren't trying to do anything. They weren't trying to pull me down. They were just my friends, but they were my friends before Jesus. And so what happens is I knew that at that time, I was scared more of what they would think about me than I was what God thought about me. And so at that time, I believed that it was easier to just say, hey, maybe it's time for us not to hang out for a little bit. 
why I make this decision and run after this decision because this isn't just the decision I made because I had an emotional movement. This is something like God impacted me and Jesus impacted me and I want to make sure that I give him exactly all of me and that I try to learn as much as possible. And I say that today because I had to walk away. It lost me friends and it was the hardest thing that I had done. I mean, I was, I think I was 18 at the time. I might've been. 19. And I'm, I'm telling all my friends, these are guys I've been in bands with. I, I had been friends with for forever. And I'm having to tell them, hey, you know, I'm going to distance myself because right now I know I'm not in that place to where I care more about God's opinion. And, and, and listen, that may be a place to where you're at right now. Maybe you need to make some changes so that you could get to a place to where you care more about what God thinks of you and pleasing God, just a little, just, just put it in your pocket for later. You know what I mean? Just, just think about it. So a lot of times, like Peter, instead of standing up, speaking out, fighting for the gospel, uh, when, when we face opposition, a lot of times we'll kind of fold back or we respond wrongly. And so Paul is saying, listen, this hypocrisy cannot stand. Consequently, when you show hypocrisy, you conceal the, the act of what Jesus has done in your life. Man, listen, if you've been truly set free by Jesus Christ, don't you want people to see that? You gotta think what, where in your heart, where in your mind is there something, something's not right, something you need to search and pray about and, and ask God to show you and reveal in you when you're not excited about that hope and, and, and you're scared more about what other people think because that hope is what people need, right? And I wanna show you today from the rest of our text why hypocrisy is so dangerous. Again, if you're writing this down, Take notes. This is one reason why hypocrisy is so dangerous. Hypocrisy condemns the hypocrite. Hypocrisy condemns the hypocrite. One of the translations of, of this that I read this week actually said, I opposed Peter to his face because he stood condemned. Now, it's funny because if you kind of read this, uh, it also goes back to Peter's original name before Jesus changed it. And I, I was like, man, is that a swerve? I'm, I'm like, is Paul trying to say, hey, listen, if you're gonna act like the guy before Jesus, I'm gonna, act, I'm gonna treat you like the guy before Jesus. Um, but the big thing right there is he said he stood condemned. And so in other words, by, by Peter putting on this mask and behaving in a way that contradicted the gospel, Peter stood guilty of hypocrisy, right? And so when you play the part of the hypocrite, that's what you do in your relationship with God. I mean, whether your hypocrisy is living contrary to the gospel, right? You, you all know what I'm talking about, like the, the person who takes advantage of the grace of God, who, who uses the grace of God, or, or maybe, listen, maybe the hypocrisy for you is that you keep adding stuff to the finished work of the cross, you keep adding restrictions. You keep, keep adding stuff. And, and, and rather than just saying, Jesus died to set me free, now that's what we've been talking about through this whole thing is now there's stuff added that you have to do. And, and, and listen, you come to church, 
read the Bible, pray, and all that stuff. All that stuff's good. It's, it's awesome for your relationship with God. It's the best way to grow in your relationship with God. But that alone, if you're playing the part of a hypocrite, that's part of the act. That's part of the mask. And, and that's what this is saying is that, that, that he, because he was playing that part of a hypocrite, he stood condemned. And hear me today, what this means for you and I is that if you're playing the part of a hypocrite, can I just tell you in love to stop? Can I just encourage you in love? If you're, those watching online, I'm, I'm looking around here and, and, and all, the, all the people that's in the room, but you online too, listen, if you put on that mask, can I just tell you to, to stop in love? And, and listen, because we have a loving God. We have a powerful, faithful, just loving God. And he does whatever it takes to get his people and so can I just tell you to take off that mask before God takes it off, right? Because how many of y'all have seen it? Christians that are living the life of hypocrisy behind closed doors, and at some point, God cares more about that person and their mask, and so it all comes out, right? And then that's damaging to the body of Christ. It's damaging to your relationship with Christ. And so I just wanna tell you, and love today to take that mask off and stop living in that hypocrisy. Amen? Listen, hypocrisy condemns the hypocrite. The second danger of hypocrisy is hypocrisy creates other hypocrites. Hypocrisy creates other hypocrites, right? There's a progression we see in this passage and we see it if we pay attention to our own lives. Let, let's, let's look back at this, okay? Hypocrisy started with Peter. It started to rub off on the, the Jewish people that were there eating with them already. It, it, it says that the other Jews were, were dragged away by, Paul, or by Peter's hypocrisy. Then it, Paul even goes as far as saying even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. Now, this is Barnabas, like this is, this is Paul's dude, you know, he's went on mini, uh, missionary journeys with Paul, he's Paul's ministry partner. I read uh, a little interesting fact just while I was kind of doing notes and stuff like this, and it says that Barnabas was second only to Paul in his effectiveness at bringing, in, bringing the gospel to Gentile believers. Think about that for a second. He was implemental in bringing the gospel to the Gentiles. And now he's fallen astray because of this one action, right? And I mean, Barnabas was, was a stud, right? So Paul says that Peter's hypocrisy led all these guys astray, led Barnabas astray. And, and see, that's what we see is this not only affects the hypocrite, but it affects and infects the people around us, and it makes hypocrites, right? Hypocrites make more hypocrites. And, and uh, a commentator that, that I was studying up on and, and stuff like that, listen, he compared hypocrisy to a virus, right? I'm gonna break the tension here just a little bit and, and give you a glimpse into my mind. When I do my notes, I do like this outline of just a couple of things. These normally are what you see up on the screen, okay? 
and then I will preach stuff and I will write it down. And a lot of the time I do like shorthand or I, like a lot of my stuff doesn't make sense <laughs> sometimes because I don't write the context and my mind's everywhere. And so I will actually go through my message and I'll, I'll polish this and, and then I'll write down my notes. And so that's kind of what you see whenever I have my notes up here is I kind of write important stuff that I want to make sure that I say. And right here I wrote too soon, <laughs> right? So that's a look at it. This commentator said that hypocrisy is like a virus, and I wrote too soon. <laughs> so just a little glimpse into my mind. Um, but I did think this was really timely with what our, our world is going through. He said, listen to this. He says, hypocrisy needs human interaction to survive. It needs human interaction to survive. Indeed, it will spread and thrive on contact. And when it finds the right environment, hypocrisy can go viral and infect a whole community. My friends, listen to me. Knowing that to be true, I need you to work really, really hard every day as a Christian, as a believer, not to try to earn your salvation or not to try to pay Jesus back, but instead to guard yourself against hypocrisy to guard yourself against being a hypocrite because if we don't, it's not only us that are affected, it's those that are around you, right? I'd say that's even more true for those of us in leadership or positions of influence. Like I'm a pastor, right? If I get up here and I preach like I am now, I stand on this platform, I talk about the gospel, I get down and then I live like I want to, and I live contrary to, to the good news every other day of the week, the ones that see that are probably going to think that that's okay to be a hypocrite too. Can we just say that? That, that they're going to become, to, to where they think that that's, okay, so this is the guy that got up on stage and shared the gospel, and he's acting like this, so it's, it's obviously okay, right? Or or Parents, parents, man, your kids, your kids are watching you. And if you're at church and you're acting one way, but then you act another way at home, can I just tell you, chances are your kids are gonna see that and they're either gonna call you out on it or they're gonna become hypocrites too because you're supposed to model that for them. You're supposed to model the gospel. You're supposed to model the good news. And if you model hypocrisy, chances are that they will model it too, right? You might be able to hide hypocrisy from certain people, but I can just, you can't hide nothing from your kids. Come on, do we have some parents that their kids, watching at home that their kids are in the bathroom with them right now, right? Like there is no privacy from your kids. You can't hide it from your kids. Hypocrites create other hypocrites. So the more hypocrites we have walking around contradicting the good news, the less effective we are as a people at doing the biggest thing that God told us to do. Share the gospel and go make disciples to all the world. And Paul understood these dangers and listen to what he wrote in verse 14, when I saw that they were not following the truth of the gospel message, I said to Peter in front of all the others, since you were a Jew by birth, have discarded these Jewish laws and are living like a Gentile, then why are you now trying to make these Gentiles follow the Jewish traditions? 
that was very like, that's him kind of saying, dude, you wasn't even a good Jewish person. You're not being a good Jewish person now. Look at what you just ate, dog. I saw you eating some ribs. And, and, and he's saying, and now you're going to tell them that they have to act in a way that you couldn't. And furthermore, you're going to give them the idea that they have to do that to get saved. But you didn't. As a matter of fact, doing that couldn't have saved you. That's why Jesus had to come. And, and, and so now these dudes show up. You put the fork down. You pull away. And, and you start to just get, get away from the group. You start to bring people into your hypocrisy. And that doesn't line up with the gospel. And he, he, he says, listen, you're, you're putting people in danger. That's what Paul is saying here. You're, you're putting people in danger of believing something that's not true. Listen to me, church. This is why fighting for the gospel is necessary. This is why you need to stand up for the gospel. This is why when you put your mask on and you live like, like a hypocrite, you play that part that contradicts what you say you believe, it's so damaging. And another thing that's really damaging is if you sit idly by as a church with your mouth shut, you see other people contradicting or compromising the good news of the gospel, and you sit without anything. And so Paul's saying, I'm not going to be that guy. I see someone contradicting the gospel, especially my friend, my ministry partner. I'm going to call him out, right? And, and so because the gospel is always worth fighting for. And as we get ready to close, band, if you'll come on up and get ready to play, I just want to ask us a couple of questions, right? One, are you fighting today? Are you fighting for the gospel? Are you standing up for the gospel? Are you doing that in both word and deed? Because it's easy to kind of say, yeah, I stand up for the gospel, especially, listen, man, I see so many people and social media has given us backbones that are huge, but that, that can't really even support people in real life. You know what I'm saying? Like, like people can get on social media and they can say stuff that they would never say in front of people, right? A lot of the times it's easier to kind of like get, get on and, and, and say, hey, I'm fighting for this or I'm fighting for this, but you also got to fight for it in your deed, in the way you live your life, the way you show Christ, the way you do stuff, and by living in alignment with what you say you believe. Not out of guilt, not out of like obligation, right? But out of intense love and response for what Jesus Christ has done for you. Every time I've always asked that question, well, if I don't have to make myself presentable, why is there this and why is there this? Because God has a plan for you and he has a plan to give you an awesome life and a blessed life and a faithful life serving him that's not separated from him. So he doesn't say to do all these things because he's this mean, evil ruler. He tells you to do these things because he sets you free to live and freedom, and we do that out of our love for Jesus Christ. And, and so I would, I would say to you, if you're, if you're speaking up, you're speaking out, you're standing up, you're, you're, you're fighting, I would say, listen, please keep doing that. Please keep doing that because that's what the world needs now in 
I'll just be honest, church, a lot of the times the, the stuff that the church didn't mean to say out loud is the stuff that people hear the most. It's the stuff that people hear the most. And so we need to show them the love and the hope and the peace of Jesus Christ. They need to see people putting this on display in a world where people are walking in fear, they're walking in confusion, they're, they're mad, they're scared, they're divided. They need to see Christians putting this stuff into action, the hope, the joy, the peace that comes along with the gospel and not acting like a bunch of hypocrites. But on the other hand, if you're being honest today and you could say to yourself, I'm, I'm honestly folding more than I'm fighting. I'm folding more than I'm fighting. If, that was, if I was in this situation, I probably would have got up myself. I would have worried more about what people thought of me and less about the gospel and I would have got up. I'm keeping my mask on more than I'm taking it off, right? And I don't wanna shame you and I don't wanna condemn you. I don't want, I don't, listen, God's grace is more than enough to cover that. And I'm not trying to come against you. Instead, I'm trying to set you free and I, I, I wanna leave you with some hope today because there is hope and that hope is still found in Jesus. Amen? And, and so I'm gonna leave you with this like little it's a quote that is from Martin Luther. He wrote, a, he wrote this about the scripture that we read today. So it says, Samson, David, and many other celebrated men who were full of the Holy Spirit fell into huge sins. Job and Jeremiah cursed the day of their birth. Elijah and Jonah grew tired of life and prayed for death. Such errors and sins of the saints are set forth. Listen to this. This was amazing to me when I read it. Those sins are set forth in order that those who are troubled and who are desperate to find comfort will find it and those that are uh, proud may be afraid. Then he goes on to say, no man has fallen so grievously, grievously that he could not have stood up again. And then it goes on to say, on the other hand, no one has such a sure footing that he cannot fall. And here's where he talks about the text that we read today. He says, if Peter too may fall, I too may fall. If Peter could stand up against, I too can stand up again. Amen. So I just want to say to you personally, first off, that, that I love you. You have a church full of people that love you, praying for you, supporting you, behind you, but that also that God loves you and Jesus loves you and, and that God's grace is for you. You haven't fallen too far. You haven't gone too far. You haven't strayed too far, right? But listen, it is important that you let this get into your spirit. Because when it comes to taking people, I feel like sometimes we're better at taking people away from the gospel than we are taking them to the gospel, right? And so if that's you, I do want that to get in your heart. I want you to leave with hope and I want you to leave today challenged to be better and to be different, not condemned, not shamed, but to be different, to be spurred on by the gospel to show people hope. If you would bow your heads and close your eyes.
all around this place. You too online. I know y'all cheat. I know y'all cheat. As we close and getting ready to kind of pray together, I want to encourage you at your seat or at home, wherever you're at, just go ahead and start to pray. Um, If you were the one that says, hey, I'm folding more than, than I'm fighting, I want you to just go ahead and start to pray for yourself to reach out for the grace that God offers. And I want you to reach into God right now, right? Whether you're, you're here, you're joining us at home, settle in this moment, start to pray, start praying for yourself and asking however the, the Lord is leading you right now. I want us to go ahead and set that atmosphere.